We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. It's your Thursday, February 2nd episode. I'm your host, Jake Burns. Going to be joined here in just a minute by Corey Kinnon. You know Corey was with us at the OBR, now doing a fantastic job running the Browns Wire. Um, and we'll bring Corey in to talk about Senior Bowl stuff. We, we are, If you're not paying attention or have not been paying attention to a website content, I know some of you are just podcast listeners. I'm doing the the, the role of daily mock coverage this year. Listen, the, I talk about this a lot. Like I, I'm not an in-season study of prospects. Guys don't have the time for it the way I want to break down the team. So when the season ends, it's important for me to kind of like start looking at prospects and playing catch up. And I don't even know if I catch up to the guys like Corey who do it all year round and focus on this stuff as a big part of what they do. But I can at least get a feel for some of these prospects and have a good amount of input to give you as we lead up to the draft. So it's kind of like hurry up, catch up mode for me. The Senior Bowl is a great little pit stop among several pit stops leading up to the draft. And I think there's a lot of fun angles to talk about these guys. We're two days into practice. So I wanted to bring you some content around that. And a reminder, again, looking at um, daily mocks, you're going to continue to get those at the OBR every morning, written up every player that we take some trades. We do starting next week, Jack Duffin's going to join me and do a really, really in-depth look at the salary cap ahead of each day and players. He projects the Brown sign, um, or keep from the current roster, re-sign, and then the guys that go on free agency and sign, and then I'm going to draft off of what he does. So that'll give us a better overall roster uh, perspective on this whole thing. So ch- keep an eye out for that. We're going to start that Monday, February 6th. will be the first edition of that. Otherwise, we're bringing in Corey, who continues to do great work on the draft at the Browns Wire, does great work not just on the team, but like I said, specifically focusing on the draft and, and, and lead up to it, and he does a good job putting out Twitter content around these players down there. Corey, what's up, man? How are you? Jake, it's good to be back. Good to be back. Always good to have you, man. Let's let's dive in pretty quick here. I think I want to start with a big question I have for you, Corey, because I've seen it kind of floated as I've gone through doing these mocks and looking at prospects. I I think my Google search query about player prospect age is, is probably worn out by now. Like, God, this guy won't stop. So it's like trying to look up. I know you and I were going back and forth on a guy we like a lot, Tyler Scott. Like, hey, man, did he post a tweet on these days? Did he say, you know, blessed to see another birthday at 18? Couldn't figure it out. I think he's young, but couldn't figure out the exact age. You're trying to figure out some of these ages that aren't listed. 
And when I think about this, like I, th- I think about the bending of the way the Browns have done their draft. Now we have a general idea of what they'd like to do, right? We, we were three years into Andrew Berry drafts. We know about the age guardrails. We know about position prioritization, but they have been noted to say we are not as bound by those things as you think we are, as they moved up to go get JOK. And they've bent on some different things that we maybe didn't think they would. Are like the big question for me is this, this the spot of this roster. I can see both perspectives on this. I can see the angle of the Browns should continue to draft young just because they're trying to win more now in the immediate. And we do tend to most of us see it this way that the Browns are now fully inside their their window of win now. Whether you want to think that's two years like I do or you want to think that's longer, that's your prerogative. But I think it's very fair to say that between the coaches' uh, um, tenure here, between the now quarterback who will be off of a suspension situation and the structure of which guys they have who are veterans hitting their prime, we are certainly in an inarguable win-now uh, scenario. And that, 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 to me, brings about the question, Corey, of does that change draft strategy? And what I mean by that is the Browns have generally glossed over, at least early on and into the middle rounds, They've bent more on late picks and obviously clearly UDFAs, but you continue to see them ignore older prospects. And what I mean by that is generally guys who are 23 at or around the time of the draft or 24, um, those older prospects, 23, 24, they stay away from. They, They draft guys 21. They've gotten into the 22. They prefer to go as young as possible. But I do think you can see now where maybe and, and the reason I say I could see them bending on this, Corey, is because they are in a position where some positions need help right away. And in an ideal world, you're bringing in rookies, they're not playing big roles, and then they're developing into roles. It's not always that way. So to me, at this point, based on what you're trying to do, looking at, say, taking somebody who's 21, not as refined, not as good as somebody who's 23, I think that carries more risk now than it did a few years back. So I'm curious, do you think they've been, let, let me ask it this way. Where do you stand on taking a guy 23-ish? 24 is tough. Like a guy who stood out down there a little bit is Tank Dell, this Houston wide receiver who is a slot shifty, dynamic, good production at Houston through his career, had a nice year last year, but is 24 years old in his rookie year. So I think 24 is a bit exaggerative. But 23 area, they seem to like we're eliminating a lot of guys. And I think that they could bend more on that than they ever have, largely because of their window. Or do you think they stick to the guardrails and there's a reason why they do that? So I'm open to your interpretation of what you think they would do. Yeah, I can I can kind of see it both ways. Again, I see the avenue of them saying, you know, our window is open, but we want to build longevity. We want to build long term success. And the way to do that is to stick to our plan. And, you know, by the time a guy is in that fourth year, he's only 25, 26, and he's not 28, 29, almost 30. So I, I, I kind of get that. But I do think they will push it this year uh, for a multitude of reasons. And and maybe the biggest reason is that this is one of the smaller draft classes we've seen in a while, uh, numbers-wise. Uh, now with NIL, a lot, a, a lot, a lot of younger players are going back to school because schools are offering them more money than they'd see on their rookie contract or matching the amount of money they'd see on a rookie contract. Um, so given just the sheer numbers in the draft class, I would say, yeah, they're going to bend on it. Um, how much, who knows? Again, there, there are a lot of really young, talented players that positions of need though. So I still think it could be a, a you know, a tiebreaker between uh, like a Cedric Tillman out of Tennessee and 
yeah. a, a younger receiver. You know, so I think it could be some sort of, of weight, some sort of mechanism to to make a decision for them one way or the other, unless they have like a really strong leaning. But uh, I think they're lucky that a lot of these guys that in, in positions need defensive tackle, defensive end. Uh, I mean, defensive end has a, a little bit older. Some you know, like Will McDonald's a really good player out of Iowa State. He's 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 a fifth yeah. year. Um, so there are some older older guys in the edge class, but. Uh, I mean, for the most part, we're talking about wide receivers. We're talking about um, defensive tackles, and these guys are young anyway. So I don't know if they'll be forced to. I, I thought they came out of it more than I expected them to last year. Uh, but you're right, at the top, it'll be interesting. I would tend to say probably not a lot because, again, I don't know if they're going to have a guy that high on their board that's going to push it uh, if they stay at 42. You know, if they trade back into the third like they did last year and, and try to, to, to recoup some picks for the future, then – that's a different story, but um, I don't know if they'll be put in that situation early on. Of course, all things considered equal, they would you would take the younger player. That's a no-brainer. But if you just ignore, continually ignore, guys who are clearly pretty good, who are at that 23, or God forbid, the age of 24 during their rookie season, I do think you can gloss past some players who can help you, especially when you're trying to go out and win the division right away. We all want you to take the youngest mm-hmm. players available and the most talented of that version of player, but it doesn't always work out that way. It's not always black and white. So I think there's a little bit of skepticism on just ignoring those older prospects to favor younger ones. When you, you know, I think we could say it's fair, especially defensively. We'll see if this changes with Jim Schwartz, but we haven't seen the development that we've wanted out of these guys. If you're a supreme team of organization of we develop young players, I get it. But there's been some inconsistencies here. So I do start to wonder if they move on that a little bit. I'm not here to predict whether they do or not, but I think you can make, like you said, Corey, a rational case on both sides. And I can understand why they would move away from it. I think the other thing we should consider and this is something I have pointed out, and I want to see if you agree with me. This, you know, I was, when I started doing these mocks and I started looking at these wide receivers, because I do think the Browns are going to have a harder time acquiring a wide receiver of purpose before the draft than people think. I think there's a lot of go trade for Cooks or Hopkins or whoever, and it's like that's money they really cannot bring in right now. They just can't. They're paying too many big contracts to the offense as is. And then it's like, well, go trade for an Elijah Moore or go trade for a Jerry Judy. And I think that's easy to talk about in a Madden thought universe, but teams are not willing to -hmm. just part with young wide receivers the way you think they are. You know, you can think Elijah Moore, but look, this is a new OC coming in and you're going to have, you know, you're going to take away a young, good wide receiver and just pass him on. I just think that's, and especially a team that is rumored, heavily rumored to be going after Aaron Rodgers. It seems silly to think teams would just give these guys away. So I do think they're going at some point of the first two picks here to dive back into the wide receiver draft. Now this class, uh, unlike the last two does not have a top end X boundary type of guy. Those, those dudes, they're not, Mm -hmm. but I do Corey like the mesh of talent available at 42. and, And here's why I like it. And again, you tell me what you think. The Browns need one of two things. They need an absolute separator supreme in the slot, a guy who can get open against all forms of coverages and underneath curl flat hook, man-to-man press. There are a ton of 42 options at that smaller-ish type of slot guy who can create separation, diverse route tree, but also they could use a lid lifter type, right? And there are a ton of guys, in my opinion, who can play Z, who can run downfield, run a vertical route tree, and really make an impact there. So I am actually relatively excited about picks 42 and 98 for opportunities at wide receiver. I think it's 
not top heavy, but it's day two heavy. Do you think that's true or not? Yeah, I would agree with that. Again, I don't think I'll have a single first round grade on one of these guys. Of course, somebody's going to go in the first round. Uh, but in terms of grading, I'm like, yeah, I mean, we were really spoiled going back to probably even 2019 was the no, 2020 was the like the CD Lamb, Henry Ruggs, Jerry Judy class. 21 was good. 22 was good. So we got really spoiled with three really good wide receiver classes in a row. And yeah, this one, this one falls behind by quite a bit. And, you know, even some of the names at the top have some, some questionable stuff off the field they got to work through. So, uh, yeah, but I do like that day two range that you're, that you're talking about. Again, the Tyler Scotts, who's a three junior, so he shouldn't be very old. Um, but it, like the Tyler Scotts, the Josh Downs, I tend to think he's going to get pushed up a little bit because it's a weak class and so many these teams are going to need wide receivers, but uh, those are two names that really stick out to me. I, I'm fine with a Rashi Rice. I'm fine with a Jalen Hyatt. I think Jalen Hyatt's floor is pretty stinking low, though. So you, you better you better hit on that if you're going to take a guy like Hyatt, or if your University of Tennessee alumni uh, and and booster owner is going to force you to take a guy like Hyatt, uh, you, you you better have a plan for that. But uh, there is quite a bit of nice nice depth to this receiver class. The same, I think, can be said about D-tackle and edge. And I think it's it's weird, Corey, because it's another situation where, and I don't know, man, maybe this is just me again. I have thought over the years, dating back to the Jedrick Wills tackle selection at 10, that it's been a weird mesh of what the Browns need and where they're drafting. And that's a yeah. great thing. Like, they needed a tackle. Then the next year, they needed a corner. And they have done a pretty good job of this. Now, we all know that some drafts have been a little different than others in terms of when you lose a first round pick, it's a bit obscure when you're going into the third round. But like this year between wide receiver and what I think about edge. And I think about D tackle at pick 42, those are positions that I think have a nice mesh of depth at those spots. Again, not a ton of top end D tackles, more so top end edge guys that will go. And I think you're probably like me more excited about the edge guys at 42, but there are some fun defensive tackles at that spot. So like to me, 42 between wide receiver D tackle and edge, I think they can attack that, that triangle of things we think they need pretty well right there. Do you agree? Yeah, I do. I'm interested to see if they do go edge, what kind of body type they do, because you know, when we talk about Jim Schwartz's fronts and and the need for a big end and a wide nine, I think we just assume that miles Garrett is that wide nine, but I mean, he's a big dude. So I think he would have the ability if they, if they drafted say a BJ Ojolari or Nolan Smith, one of those guys who are a little more slender, a little more uh, bendy. I, I think Miles could probably play your big end on on early downs, on obvious rundowns, and and you could get away with that. And I think so. I'm, I'm interested to kind of see do they do do they go for a bigger body to play that big end, or or do they just take best player available? Kind of kind of how that shakes out. But uh, it's a really nice edge class, man. It's a really nice edge class. So you're you're spot on about things. I think a lot of people are concerned about, right? Like. The edge stuff, there's a lot of guys who seem to be able to play some inside out. Lucas Vaness or Keon White, like there's some guys out there and you're looking at how the Browns are going to attack it. You know, do you base everything on what they did in Tennessee, right? The 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 uh the results that they had over there between like Danico Autry, um, you know, Demarcus Walker, six four, two eighty, guys they played off the edge who were impactful defensive ends for them. Mario Edwards, six three, two eighty again, like these are guys that are bigger bodies, and that's a big reason they thought they had some real success in Tennessee. And, and one of the leading, if I think they ended up being the top rush EPA defense 
was that they they were just big across that uh, that position group. The Browns between their DTs and between Jadevian and then their rotational of Chase Winovich. Now Alex Wright bumps up the size stuff there a little bit, but they're relatively small. So is there going to be a reshaping? Will they prioritize a guy that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit? I won't I won't go into names yet until we we switch over to the Senior Bowl, but guys who can play inside, play that three tech or even the four eye when they go with that wide nine, wide, wide pass down front, will they prioritize that type of player? Or to the point, do they want to get a traditional Ojolari type or somebody of that, that ilk who can be a traditional bendy edge rusher? I think that is, that is truly one of the more fascinating things. Cause I do think Corey, you can probably sign free agents who can do some of the big body DN things, but you can't always go get bendy free agents at edge. So that pass rush supreme stuff that Schwartz lives on and the variety of different types, I tend to lean that they will ultimately go with somebody who can bend a little bit more and be a, a bigger pass rush threat. I do think, I do think there is a need for some size along the interior. Now, I just think that the Jordan Elliott, uh, Taven Bryan, and Tommy Togia, these are not, they're, they're big guys, but they're not the bigger guys at that position. So I'll be curious to see if they, juice up some of those guys or go after uh, a Keandre Coburn type of guy who's a, a bigger body, like a true 320 to 340 one shade nose type who can handle being at least one guy who can take a double team, perhaps split them every now and again. Those are things we're paying attention to. So listen, we're early in this. Corey and I will probably talk five or six more times up until the draft. This is just early thoughts. I think there's a lot of good stuff here. So what we'll do is take our one break this episode, come back. We'll talk about two Two days of Senior Bowl tape, what we've thought, names that have stood out, and um, try to give you at least an idea of where things stand ahead of the ahead of the weekend when things get real spicy with the Senior Bowl. So we'll be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So you and I studied this individually, Corey, went away, didn't really talk a ton. But what I want to do is just kind of hit on who you've liked, right? So who through two days, um, I don't have to put a limit on names. You can go as many as you want. Uh, starting with, with yesterday, Keanu Benton out of Wisconsin looks like the best, one of the best players there. Um, defensive tech out of, of Wisconsin, I just said. But, I mean, he played a lot of just one tech and, and zero tech at Wisconsin uh, under Jim Leonard. But but he's agile, man. He's light on his feet and he's long and, and he knows how to use his hands really well. So I think he's a three tech at the next level. I think he really is. And it was just playing one tech, uh, started a bunch of games at Wisconsin four year starter. 
Um, so, so Keanu Benton is, is obviously the big, the big standout at a position of need for the Browns. Uh, again, the best player there was, was Dwan Jones yesterday, right, right tackle to Ohio state. He, he didn't practice today, some uncertainty about what's going on with, with him, but, um, he was obviously the best player there yesterday. And then, um, defensive tackle out of Bowling Green, Carl Brooks was, was pretty stinking good too. Uh, fifth year guy, um, not really name people have... should know there, right? right? Like, I don't know what his age. Do you know his exact age? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not totally sure on it, but he is a guy that, like, I know that Dane Brugler has him in his top 15th position. Maybe even is he having top 10? I'm not sure if he ended up putting him top 10, but he's up there for him. He likes him a lot along the interior D line. Yeah, I don't have a date of birth on, on, on Carl, but he is a fifth year guy. So, I mean, I can't imagine he's pushing 24 if he's only a fifth year guy. Um, yeah, but he's number 13 for Dane's early list here, by the way. Nice, nice. Uh, but he's he showed some really fast hands, slippery hands, man, mm-hmm. to, to really disrupt as a pass rusher in one-on-ones. Um, Rashi Rice, again, looks like the top receiver there. I think that's kind of what you would expect when you kind of look at that roster of receivers that, that are in Mobile. Uh, I think it's, it's probably pretty important to point out this is probably the least amount of talent they've had in Mobile in probably a couple of years. Like, just talent straight up saying, nah, I'm not coming this year, so... Uh, which they haven't really had in the past. Um, yeah, Tulane's got a couple. I mean, I know you like Tajay Spears a lot, um, the running back from Tulane, but their linebacker Dorian Williams is is a good player too. Um, Where do you think he goes? Because he's yeah. he's fascinating, man. He can move. He's like, a thumper. And he can move. Um, I tend to think yeah. probably round four, round five. But who knows if he tests yeah. well? I mean, he's had a good week. Like uh, yesterday in practice, which would have been Tuesday by the time this episode comes out, but. Uh, carried an out and up on a run, like a running back out and up up the sideline and in, in, in uh, one-on-one coverage drills. So uh, he can move pretty, pretty stinking well. Uh, and I think he had like, I think against USC in the bowl game, he had like 17 tackles or something like that. Something nutty. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's a good player, good player. Uh, and he, tr- he kind of transitioned early in his career from like that, just an overhang uh, to really moving inside for, for Tulane. Um Again, you mentioned Tank Dell. I mean, the, these one-on-one drills are designed for these tiny receivers to dominate. It happens every year. You could pick one out of a hat and be like, oh, yeah, they had a really good senior bowl. Uh, Especially so when I, they're matched up on safeties. Like, yeah. the, these safeties are never going to really be that isolated on these guys. They're at least safeties are going to at least have low-level overhang hook or curl flat help on these guys, man. It's very rare you see safeties matched up against Tank Dell types. And if they do, that D coordinator needs to be fired. Right. I mean, that's... That's when these guys should win. That that's spot on. So, um, yeah, man. Any other? I mean, I, like like you said, wide receiver. I think the interesting name that has come up, and if you're doing mock simulators, he's available late. If you if you watch Big Ten football, relatively known, Jaden Reed, the kid out of Michigan State, who seems to be running better than anybody. I never thought. Listen, when I watched him, he he never really got hocked very often, like caught from behind. But I didn't see him as a burner. But he's certainly putting on a speed show. Uh, down there, I wonder. I'm wondering how now he's 23, so he's on the older mm-hmm. side. I am wondering how far up the board he's playing himself. The, the next few days in the game will matter, but he's having a nice performance. I would say he really is, and he, he didn't come in as as small as like Tank Dell. Like he's he's five ten, one ninety one. Like that's not bad. That's not a bad size for a receiver. So uh, yeah, I think he's probably playing himself up a little bit. Uh, again, he will turn 23 two weeks before the draft, a week before the draft. Um, so now again, he's one of those guys that's like just turning 23. Uh, so that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, he's cutting dudes up. Uh, again, he kind of had the same thing. Like uh, he burned a safety. He was Ronnie Hickman <laughs> deep in, on day yeah, one. Yeah. Um, so it's another one of those things. But but again, he's he's not a small receiver. 
Um, so I'm interested. I, I haven't personally gotten back to his tape. I watched a little bit of 2021 when I was, cause I like Peyton Thorne a little bit at the quarterback at Michigan state two years ago this year, I kind of dropped off on him, but uh, so I yeah. watched a little bit of Reed. Um, he's a good player, man. Yeah, I like him too. So other receivers I think have stood out. Just me watching. You tell me what you think. I think Jonathan Mingo, the Ole Miss kid, has had mm-hmm. some really refined route running. I, I don't think the ceiling's all too high, but I do think he's an NFL wide receiver. Another smaller guy, uh, Darius Davis, the TCU product, I think has been has been relatively solid too, um, slot type. Mm-hmm. Again, if you're looking for those slot types, I think you can find them sort of all over this draft. Oh, yeah. I, th- I think a lot of those guys will be available. You said Spears. I thought Evan Hall, the running, the Northwestern kid, especially pass protection and some of the route running stuff, really good for him. I think he's playing himself into a draftable slot. Any other running backs that caught your eye? Yeah, man, and he broke his hand yesterday. I really like Roshan Johnson out of yeah, Texas. Yeah. He get, he's the second fiddle to Bijan Robinson, but he's a really good running back himself. He was recruited as a quarterback, wasn't getting playing time as a quarterback, and decided, you know what, I'm going to all switch positions and became a running back and is, was pretty productive playing behind Bijan. He's a thick dude, and he's a good receiver, really good athlete, uh, but he broke his hand yesterday. Um, so that kind of stinks, but I do like Roshan Johnson. Uh, I liked Hall a bit as well, but this, I, I haven't been thrilled with the running backs, to be honest, outside. I mean, I like Kenny McIntosh as well, but I think Kenny McIntosh is probably going to go a little bit higher than than where the Browns are going to be willing to take a, take a running yeah. back. Um, but uh, I haven't been thrilled with the running yeah, well, they're they're a later group. I, I certainly think if the Browns are paying attention to one, it's it's in that 140s, potentially at the earliest, all the way down yeah. through the seventh round. And it's a very esoteric type of back. He's going to be, I, I mean, I think Jerome can do a lot of things they like Nick doing. So it's a guy who they think can maybe be a spill, mm-hmm. a third down guy, a route running mismatch, something like that. Uh, that type of player is a role that they will need filled, no matter what they do with that group, uh, in my opinion. I want to look at a couple more things on defense real quick. Um you know, this 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 group of guys, uh, specifically, we talked a minute ago about those tweeners, right? So, you know, again, a freak guy from Northwestern, bricked up. You sent him to me. I watched some film, and then I've seen some highlights, too. Um, Adetomoa, and I think it's Adabare is, is how you say it, this kid out of Northwestern, freaks list guy. I mean, anytime Feldman's freaks list includes a player you're interested in, you love that. He's 280. 30 reps on bench at 225, which is bananas. 410 on the bench. 34 inch arms, dude. Yeah, he's, he's, the body type is crazy. <laughs> I also find it fascinating. You mentioned Dewan Jones a minute ago. People down there are just now figuring out Dewan Jones is massive. Did anybody watch CJ Stroud? Have you never watched Ohio State? He right. towers over everyone's <laughs> like, oh my God, Dewan Jones. Did you watch him? Like, it doesn't take much to figure that out. But anyway, he's a mover. Measuring him with the widest wing wingspan in senior bowl history, though, it is kind of like it's jarring. That's a talking point. His hands, dude. Yeah, (laughs) hands too are crazy. So he is every eleven inch. Every bit what you see on tape. I hope. I hope everything's good with him. Like you said, some weird stuff surrounding his day two issues, but hope everything's good. But yeah, to to the point on um, uh, Adabare is is you know six nine three cone four oh five pro shuttle ten five broad. 37 half inch vertical jump. So this guy's going to be up there. He's an interesting one that can play inside out, maybe best suited to play a three or that four eye, but can also be a big edge. Like you said, also the, uh, the kid out of Auburn. That's fascinating to me, man, is another guy who was Derek Hall, six, three, two 34 and three eighths inch arms, long dude who can play inside out. He's flexibility. powerful and explosive yeah. too, man. He's going to run and jump really well. Th- that's why I think Corey, He's man, gonna... like, I really think that if they were to move back from 42 to say mid fifties and pick up a, you know, a way to maybe move one eleven up to, to 84 or something in the seventies, like 
there are some guys there that are are sort of seen as position tweeners, but I actually think they kind of need a multi-flex guy there. And I find it to be an interesting spot for them. Even, even a guy like Thule out of USC, who's not necessarily a top mm-hmm. 50 prospect, but he's at least in the top 75 that would give you some fun flex there too, right? Yeah, for sure. For sure. Again, you, you mentioned the two guys that I was going to mention in the edge class. So uh, both those dudes, again, I, I really like Derek Hall. I really like Derek Hall. I mean, yeah. in, in terms of linear explosiveness and, and, and like hand strength and sheer power, he's up there in the top of the class. But but the drawback of his game is that he is linearly explosive and there's his his hips aren't very fluid. So that, that's pretty much it. And, and he's not super refined as a pass rusher outside of long arm, outside of bull rush. So, uh, But there's a lot to like in, in terms of his ability to set a strong edge to, to gap out defenders um, in the run game. So a uh, really physical player. If the Browns are looking linebacker, you've posted a couple guys that are interesting. I actually thought Dayan Henley, this Washington State kid, wide receiver turn linebacker how often you see a wide receiver go to linebacker not very often but boy he's if you're looking for coverage type guys certainly a fascinating type you mentioned a couple other small school guys who are those that have stood out to you uh yeah so again dorian williams out of tulane is is a is a really nice player but the sacramento state kid uh who was an nfl pa bowl who got called up to the senior bowl based on that his name is Marte mapu i think i'm saying that right uh he's super small he's 6'2 217 i think uh, but again, he's at an FCS program. So you never know if like getting him to an NFL weight program would change his body, you know, um, super athletic. I've noticed some really good stuff with his eyes and coverage, some really good stuff clicking downhill, uh, with his eyes. So like he's, he's my type of player. And then again, one-on-one drills, especially linebackers versus running backs is very heavily skewed towards the running backs. Like, cause linebackers are sitting in the middle of the field. They can break left. They can break right. There is no boundary to use as their friend. And he's sinking in hip pockets in these one-on-one drills as well with these running backs. So he's doing a lot of really nice stuff. Um, again, Sacramento State kid. I haven't watched any of his tape. Again, I haven't heard of him until last week when he got called up to the Senior Bowl. So uh, I'm excited to, to dive into some some uh, Hornets tape, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, the the other one, a position group, these corners have been fascinating too. And again, you're talking about like late-round tight ends. I'll, I'll talk about a name I have here in a minute, but like, these are late round guys, linebacker, corner that interest me. Like Riley Moss has stood out again. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to do this, but I got to say it's rare. White corners, pretty rare. <laughs> he has all the athletic ability you need plus some, and I think he's showing up and showing out. I've liked him. Julius Brents, the Kansas State kid, has had some flashes. Kyle Blue Kelly. Like I think if they want to go get a guy that they think they can either uh, add depth to the position or morph into that slot nickel role, I think there's some interesting ones. And if you're looking at safeties like Jay Ward, the LSU kid has been kind of fun these first two days. Again, positional flex for him. Not sure what he's going to end up being, but it could be. It's ultimately that overhang safety that he can come down. He can play curl flat. He can play some man-to-man on bigger slots. Jamie Robinson, the kid from Florida State, boy, he measured really much shorter in terms of like you know wingspan and stuff than we anticipated. But he's been showing out to me a little bit there too. Is there anybody else that the corner safety roles that have, Stood out to you particularly in the first two days? Yeah, I mean, I like Jamie too. Jamie's, I he, he might be pound for pound the most the, the toughest player in college football. Um, so I'm a big fan of Jamie. Again, the defenses are playing a lot of just one, three single high shells, and so these safeties are playing 15 yards off the ball. So it's really hard to see a yeah. lot in 11s from the from these safeties and seven and seven from these safeties. But uh, but I've I've been a big fan of Jam, Jamie for a while. 
Uh, and again, he has a lot of really nice versatility. He's played in the slot a lot. He's played in the box a lot. He's played over the top a lot. So he can kind of do it all. Christopher Smith out of Georgia has been playing a well uh, as well. Uh, and he had a really good season with, with the Bulldogs this year as well. Um, but he's looked really good in coverage, really nice eyes. He's another one of those guys that's turning 23 on May 1st. So uh, if he's there, you know, third round, what, what do the Browns say? Uh, I think he would be a tremendous fit, uh, especially as, as a true free safety. So um, Christopher Smith is, is a name to watch for sure. Um, the Illinois safeties, the, well, the, the, the nickel and the safety, Sidney Brown and, and Quan Martin, Jartavius Martin, uh, mm-hmm. haven't really stood out to me as much as they did on tape, which is a, a little bit disappointing. Um, but yeah, I think that, I think that, that pretty much hits it all, uh, as far as safeties go corners. Uh, again, I haven't been a big fan of the class, but Riley Moss stood out to me as well. Um, and I, I'm so sorry. I sent a name to, to somebody yesterday. I was like, oh, this guy stood out. And I'm going to scroll up and find it because I don't want to. The, the, uh, the Louisville kid you sent over to yeah, me. Yeah, so he's a Shrine Bowl kid, actually. So he didn't even okay. get a Senior Bowl invite. But Kytrell Clark from the, the Shrine Bowl, uh, he's a little bit undersized as well. Played strictly outside. He's twitched up. And I think he could be a good fit in the nickel. Again, Greg Newsom doesn't want to play in the nickel. Uh, they've got three outside corners we got to work ourselves out here with, you know. So. Uh, if they do go looking for a nickel on day three, I think the Louisville kid who was who was at the Shrine Bowl, uh, Kytrell Clark, um, could be a really nice fit for them. What's up with the Shrine and Senior Bowl? Like, why is Zay Flowers at the Shrine not not at the Senior Bowl? Like, what's what's the is there a distinction difference? Yeah, there? those two directors are really petty about it as well. Galco and and Nagy, they have like a little weird feud rivalry between the two games, and mm. it's so it's weird. Uh, I I heard some stuff like. You know, maybe Shrine had some agent dealings behind the scene and stuff like that to get a guy mm. like Zay Flowers. But I've also heard some other things like the Patriots were really involved with the Shrine Bowl this year. Like they had a, a lot of staffers on staff at the Shrine Bowl. And the Patriots yeah. really liked him and he's from Boston College. And so they had connections before the Shrine Bowl. So I've heard some things like that as well, that the Patriots wanted him to go to the Shrine Bowl. But uh, I don't think anybody really knows. Maybe he just really wanted to. <laughs> yeah, peculiar stuff. Um, yeah. Okay, so the, I think we've covered most of the guys I want to cover. We'll deal with offensive linemen later on, and that's that's really a position that I, you know, when I think about this as we close, Corey, I think there's people that are setting up positions they need. I tend to think interior offensive line, and mm-hmm. we're not going to really go through names or anything, but I'm kind of asking you the same question I'm, I'm going through here, is two positions to me stand out as things I'd like to get in the late day uh, early day three into late day three that's in uh, some sort of guard center guard i i I am like postage is gone in my opinion no way he doesn't cash in too many teams with a lot of money and o-line issues and then nick harris coming back from an acl although the most time he could really hope for first preseason game i just don't feel settled there so there is a, a an allotment of interesting players that projects sort of towards that round five to round seven interior O-line range. So I'm leaning there. I also like Josh Wiley, this kid out of, again, two tight ends at the senior Cincinnati bowl that I really kid. like Josh yeah. Wiley, the Cincinnati kids blocking his butt off interested in him. I certainly like Braden Willis, the Oklahoma kid too, for some, some, some versatility in the passing game. You know, some people lean tight end early and I can't, I still like, I still cannot mm-hmm. get around that, but those are two like more interior line, and I'd love a tight end. Like, are there some positions late that you really think a singular one, but you can go to like I just did that you're interested in them getting that maybe people aren't giving enough credence to or looking into enough? 
Yeah, I really think nickel day three is a is something yeah. that that is a real possibility. Again, I listened to your pot. It's hard to pin down too, Corey, because so many nickels aren't nickels in college and move, and that makes it tough, right? right? It does make it tough. Uh, so you gotta like kind of see like, can this guy tackle? Like that's a big thing when you're evaluating a corner and you think you can play nickel. Like, can, can this guy tackle? Is he willing to click downhill, uh, yeah. trigger downhill? So does he I want to that, tackle? But, right. That's right. Right, because like I mean, the, the Browns asked a lot of their nickels over the past two years. And again, Troy Hill had his woes in coverage like that. That's yeah. that's pretty documented. But one thing you cannot say about Troy Hill is that he did not sling those run fits like crazy because because he was very good, very good at slinging. You're very spot on. Go watch week one. Greg Newsom play the slot and go watch not Pittsburgh, but watch wash he was burnt out with it it's it's a bitch sorry for the cussing but like yeah. getting put into run fits and and the, they'll be put into run fits with shorts too because he prefers you know gapped out run stuff whenever he can within reason you gotta want to do that stuff and that's not for every corner it really isn't and that makes me think like if Jamie robinson was there in the fourth round even though he's listed as a safety he plays a lot of of, of slot you know he he loves the tackle uh i think he'd be great in that role Again, last year I was like, oh, Delpit can do that. But I think Delpit's proven them to, to do more than that uh, where he's yeah. at now. But uh, And his skill set can be utilized elsewhere. But I, I think Nickel's a big one, um, the, the big one that stands out to me. And then if, if we're talking a second position, you know, late, uh, I certainly wouldn't be shocked to see them double up at wide receiver, to see them double up at defensive yeah. tackle, to see them double up at edge. Yeah, man, especially considering, again, terrible wide receiver free agent class really rough to trade for a young one that matters and trading for these older ones, considering where the Browns are in terms of how many over 10 million APY guys they have, it just becomes harder than people think it is. Even though you think the cap is fake, the bill does eventually come due and you cannot carry eight. That'd be a whopping eight guys on the offense who carry that number of over 10 into the next year. And that's crazy. They just, it's hard to, I mean, they can't, it's not possible here, but it's just hard to envision that, and continuing to add to that. So listen, a lot of stuff here. I think we covered a lot of names, Corey. We'll continue. Uh, I know I will, and I know you will through the next few days and, and through the senior bowl, try to give as much as we can. And then, and then we'll get to the combine, which is where the really fun stuff happens with, uh, you know, with these guys and, uh, and, and, and obviously getting their testing numbers and a reminder, the senior bowl doesn't define a prospect. Corey talked about the Illinois kids, the tape being better. The tape is what you trust. You got to remember these guys haven't played football in a couple months. They're, they're rusty. I mean, who knows how much, prep time these guys have put in for the senior bowl and how and the, the, the first two days of defining who these guys are it's hard so i really shy away from saying these guys have been bad because it's hard you know the tape is king that's where you're going to figure out the most about a guy senior bowl gives you another little evaluation tool the combine gives you another evaluation tool pro days another one and all that stuff so we'll cover guys we like as we get further into this and define more of who we like we'll define who we don't like who we shy away from Plenty of names here, plenty of coverage. You'll continue to get some both at the OBR and at the Browns Wire. Corey, we appreciate your time and insights, man, as always. Anytime, Jake. You know, I'm always a, a willing compadre, a willing co-pilot. Yeah, fantastic stuff, as always, from Corey. One of the best guys doing Bra Browns draft content, period. So continue to follow his work at the Browns Wire and continue to follow his Twitter feed where he continues to put up a lot of names, tape, and highlights, and all that good stuff that you need to feel prepared to do your own mock draft. Make sure you're following along with the OBR's daily mocks. As we get into February here, like I said, it'll be more fun. We'll have those daily companion pieces from Jack Duffin that define what we're doing in the draft and why we're doing it. 
And then obviously we will start getting into those live mocks. We'll have guests like Corey and many others from the Browns community come in, do a dueling mock draft, talk about guys they would pick, where they would pick them. And that's when it gets really fun. So through February and into March, we get a lot of information we need, a lot of data we need, and we start to really pin down where we could take guys. So a lot of fun stuff and intertwined in all of that is the real and actual free agency and all the stuff around it. So we're just getting into uh, hitting our stride of the offseason. The two weeks here between now and the Super Bowl is obviously a, a sort of dead period for the NFL, but the Senior Bowl is a nice breakup, a nice piece of content angle that we'll continue to try to cover for you to define some of those prospects. And then once the Super Bowl concludes, you hit the ground running with the combine in late February, early March, and we're running and we're getting ready to figure out what your 2023 Browns will look like. So we'll continue to cover that for you at length. Thanks to Corey for being here. Thanks to you guys for also coming by. Remember, there are uh, some some pretty cool hats and shirts available through the link in my uh, Twitter account that you can go out and purchase that supports this OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Uh, every single dollar goes back to supporting this pod and the production of it. So I appreciate you guys for continuing to buy those. I've been really blown away by how many things have been bought. I appreciate there's some Nike stuff, really good gear. So appreciate that very, very much, guys. Have a good Thursday, and uh, thanks for stopping by. Go Browns.